Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Uh, my hope is to keep it uh, short and sweet this morning, to the point, because we are in a season, this is the season of Advent, which is a season where we do just that, we prepare Him room. And I know that might not be the reality of your Christmas season, that probably feels overcrowded and busy, and like there's not a lot of space in your life, not a lot of time that you have set aside for him, but really I want to encourage you that this is a season of Advent, a a season where we're preparing our hearts, we're preparing him room, we're waiting, we're watching, we're anticipating. Advent is a season, it's it's four weeks before Christmas, and, and in that four weeks we prepare for the coming of Christ. It's a period of preparation before we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about Advent, about preparing our hearts, about preparing Him room, about anticipating, watching, waiting for what God's going to do. If Jesus was God in the flesh then I believe John the Baptist was Advent in the flesh. If Advent is about preparing our hearts for what God is going to do, well then John the Baptist had a message that was just like that. Prepare your hearts for what God is going to do. If you've read the Jesus story in your Gospels, you know that it always starts with this character, John the Baptist. That we don't get to Jesus without talking about John the Baptist. And he was the guy who was going to go ahead of Jesus and prepare the way, prepare him room, get people ready for what God was about to do, get people anticipating, get people watching, right? John the Baptist came and he had a real specific task, and that was that he was the opening act. He was the guy sent to warm the crowd up. He was the guy sent to break in and get people ready to receive what God was about to do. God was about to break in, and it was John the Baptist's role to prepare the people for what God was about to do. So as we think about Advent, I want to share a message from John the Baptist, something that he said to people, something that he said to people who were getting ready to prepare for what God was about to do. So I think it applies to us. I think it applies to the season we're in. John the Baptist's message that I'll read to you today, it applies to right where we're at in this season, but it also applies to right where we're at as a church. Because as a church, we're talking about being devoted to mission. That we as a church have a vision. That we want to behold Jesus. We want to see Jesus for who He is. We want to be obedient to the Word of God. 
we want to be surrendered to the Spirit of God, and we want to be devoted to the mission of God. And as a church that's devoted to the mission of God, we do these things. We seek. That is, we go after people. We're not just waiting for them to come to our church. We're not just trying to you know, get cool lights here and make this, sound, make this feel like Starbucks so that people come. They're not coming. No one wants to come to church. You're going to have to go after them. So we seek. It's what we do. And we also share, and we talked about that last week, how we're called to be a church, a community that's marked by generosity, and that irrational generosity gets the attention of society and will, again, have a place of leverage in culture if we practice what Jesus asked us to practice, which was no-strings-attached generosity. And so this morning, this, this message from John the Baptist doesn't just have to do with the season we're in but it also has to do with the vision that we have as a church. And I believe it has something to say to us about how we're to be devoted to his mission, not just participate in this Advent uh, season. So in Luke, we read about John the Baptist, that he went, to, he went into all the country and around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, which um, just a little glimpse into where we're headed from here, as we tell the Christmas story, we're going to tell it from the perspective of Isaiah. Um, this, this, the messages that come this next week and the, the week that follows will be Christmas according to Isaiah. Isaiah, centuries before Jesus, had things to say about what Jesus would do and uh, what would happen when the Messiah came. And so we're going to look at Isaiah's prophecies and tell the Christmas story. But Isaiah didn't just have prophecies about Jesus and what Jesus would do. Isaiah had prophecies about John the Baptist and what John the Baptist was going to do. And this is what Isaiah said about this prophet, John the Baptist, that he's a voice He's one calling out in the wilderness, and he's saying, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. So here's Isaiah saying, there's going to be a prophet that comes before Jesus. And this prophet is going to have a message. He's going to be crying out in the wilderness, and he's going to be saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Make room for what God's about to do. That if you want to see what God's about to do in human history, make room for what he's about to do. John's call was to get people's attention, right? As the opening act, it was like he called people together, and John did a fantastic job of getting people's attention um, with with hard words um, and with a really radical lifestyle. This is not just things he said. These were things that he lived, and it got people's attention, right? And hard words, as you know, can make us soft or they can make us harder. And that seems to be what happened with John the Baptist and his ministry. Because of his hard words for people, it it either softened their hearts to where they were able to receive what God was about to do or it made them harder. So John the Baptist would be a voice, one calling out in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see 
God's salvation. This is what Isaiah said John the Baptist would do, and this is in fact what John the Baptist did. So the crowds start coming out because you know that John the Baptist broke what was probably 400 years of silence from God. There had been no prophets. There had been no word from the Lord. So now all of a sudden, John shows up on the scene as Isaiah said he would, and he's proclaiming these things. And so people are coming from all over to hear what God has to say. What in the world does God have to say after 400 years of silence, right? Can you imagine the anticipation, the preparing, the waiting, the advent, like the arrival What is God going to say after 400 years of silence? What's he going to say through the prophet John? So John says to these crowds of people coming out to be baptized by him, Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you came out to hear what the Lord would have to say. I hope you feel welcome here at Radiant Church. Let's open our Bibles. No, that's not what John says to this crowd. John says to this crowd that's gathered, that wants to hear what God has to say, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. What if you got greeted like that this morning? Jared's like, welcome to Radiant Church, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? I love that uh, God breaks, you know, 400 years of silence, not with like a PR firm or a marketing campaign, but with a prophet with some pretty harsh things to say to get people ready. John says to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. And then this is what he says to him, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. If you want to be ready for what God's about to do, God's about to break into human history. I'm here announcing what God's about to do. If you want to be ready for what God's about to do, if you want to sync up with God, if you want to anticipate, if you want to participate in this Advent season as we you know, wait for what God's about to do, then you should do this. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Which is essentially John saying to you a conversation that you've had, which simply goes like this. Don't tell me you prayed about it. Don't tell me you prayed about it. Don't tell me you had an encounter with God. Produce fruit that would tell me that you had an encounter with God. Don't pray about it. Am I right? Have you had this conversation? Right? Don't tell me that, okay? Don't tell me that you're going to stop spending hundreds of dollars at Target. Stop spending money at Target, okay? (laughs) Produce fruit in keeping with this repentance. Don't tell me that I won't spend over $100 a month at Target. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, right? Don't tell me you're not going to look at porn again. Don't tell me you prayed about it. Don't look at porn again. Don't do that. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, right? You've had a version of this conversation. Well, John shows up on the scene. You want to be ready for what God's going to do? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't tell me you prayed about it. Don't tell me you encountered God. Produce fruit 
that would communicate that you've encountered God, right? Hmm. And do not begin to say to yourself, this is what John says to the crowd that's coming out, the crowd that's eager to hear what God would have to say. And don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. What is he saying here? Don't hide behind who you're related to. Don't tell me about who you're related to. Don't tell me where you go to church. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What are you doing? Don't tell me you prayed about it. Don't tell me who you're connected to. Don't tell me that you're related to someone. Well, you know, as a church, we did do this. That is not going to stand up when you get to heaven. You're going to have to account for your life. I'm going to have to account for the life of this church. What are you doing? Don't don't tell me who you're connected to. Don't tell me who you're related to. Don't tell me that Amber Canalican collected gifts. What the heck are you doing? Don't tell me who you're related to. Again, hard words. These are hard words that made some people soft and made some people harder. And I imagine it'll have the same effect today. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Man. He's about to get stoned with those stones. (laughs) The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. And you can imagine that after weeks of listening to John preach, or maybe just minutes of listening to John preach, some people were like, you know what? You're right. You know what? That's true. Some people wrote him off for sure. But some people were cut to the heart and they were like, you know what? You're right. I just, I, I dropped my sacrifice off at the temple, but I know that there's this gap between what I say I believe and, and how I behave and I know that I looked apart on the outside, but I know that on the inside I feel really far from God. You know what, John, you're, you're right, you know? Some of you grew up in churches where there was preaching like this on a weekly basis, you know? And at some point you just have to surrender and be like, you know what, you're right. This is true. You're right, John, um, you're right, I, I, like, I just hide behind the things that I connect, I'm connected to, and I, I keep saying, you know, I'll pray about it, but there's really no fruit coming from my life, and I keep hiding, you know, because I attend church regularly, but that doesn't mean much, and I'm hiding behind my relation to things, and I know that you're wanting something more uh, from me. You, you're, you're right, John. And, and, then, and then these people would say, okay, okay John, all right, you got us. You did it. You got our attention. You're the man. And, and if what you're saying is true, if what you're saying, John, is that God's about to do something amazing, if what you're telling us, John, is that God's about to break into human history, if what you're telling us, John, is God's on the move, then I want to see what's about to happen, John. 
I want to be, be a part. I want to participate. I want to prepare him room for sure because I want him to move in my life, John. I want him to move in my life. I don't want all this other stuff. I want it. I want what you're talking about. So eventually the crowd, those that were cut to the heart, raised their hand and they were like, what do we do? What do we do to produce fruit in keeping in, with repentance? What do we do to prove that we're synced up with God? What do we do to, to show that we're ready for how God's about to break in? We, we want to see it. We want to participate in it. Come on, John. Don't just yell at us and tell us what's not happening. What do we do? What do we do to prove that we are right with God? If there needs to be fruit, if it needs to be visible, if it needs to be obvious that we encountered God, then what do we do? And John replied, pray. Pray a lot. Pray before you eat breakfast, pray before you eat lunch, and pray before you eat dinner, and that will prove that you're synced up with God. Then John said to the crowd, go to church. Why don't you go to church? And then John said to the crowd, and why don't you read your Bible? Why don't you go to church, and while you're at church, why don't you read your Bible? In fact, when you go to church, bring your Bible. Don't rely on the scripture that they put on the screen. You be, you, to prove that you're synced up with God, go to church. That's not what John said. And you might find this pretty shocking. I know I did. This is what John says to the crowd. Who wants to know, what do we do? What should we do? Anyone who's got two shirts should share. What? 400 years of silence and you, you come out and say, share? That's not even spiritual. You can do that anywhere. You can do that with anyone. Prove that you're synced up with God and share? We're asking a religious question here. We need a religious answer. We're talking about getting right vertically, and you're telling me to share my shirt horizontally, that the way to prove that I'm ready for what God's about to do is that if I have two shirts and this guy has no shirts, that I should take one of my shirts and give it to the guy with none shirts, and then we all have one shirt. (laughs) 400 years of waiting, and this is what you're going to give us? Get Get ready, guys. God's about to do something amazing. Pray. Go to church. In fact, stay at church. Stay at church longer. Pray longer at church. Read your Bible, and not the easy parts. Not the New Testament, the Old Testament. Read the hard parts. Read Leviticus and you'll be synced up. Sorry, this isn't fair. I'm having fun now. You want to prove that you're synced up with what God's 
wanting to do, that you're ready for him to break in, you're ready for him to speak, share your shirt. Oh, no, 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 not just your shirt. Do that with your food, too. Whoa, 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 wait a second. You can live without a shirt. You can't live without food. If, you're, if you want to be ready for what God's about to do, share shirts and food. What? It's like, John, you're like changing the subject. I'm asking you. I'm asking you about my relationship with God and you bring up this shirtless man. I'm talking about this, and you keep talking about this, and John introduces a message that would characterize Jesus' ministry, which is this. You can't be right vertically and be a mess horizontally. You want to prove to me that things are right vertically, do this stuff horizontally. You can't be synced up with God and ignoring people without shirts or food. You want to be ready for what God wants to do? Share. What? It goes on to say in verse 12 that even tax collectors came to be baptized. If you don't know this, there's like two groups of sinners in the New Testament. There's your run-of-the-mill sinner and then there are tax collectors. And the sinners didn't even want to be identified with tax collectors because their sin didn't even fall under the umbrella of sin. It was something totally different. There was sinning, and then there was tax collecting, right? But we understand this, right? We know that there are sins that are acceptable, and then there are sins that are unacceptable. And they, they fall outside the umbrella, right? There's sinners, and then there's homosexuals. And there's sinners, and then there's pedophiles. There's sinners, and then there's Democrats. You know, whatever it is for you. But it just, it's like, no, 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 we're good. We're sinners, but don't lump us in with the tax collectors. We're totally cool with that term. Just don't include those guys in our little group, okay? Because they've got something else going on. But even these guys showed up, and after listening to John the Baptist, they were like, Man, he's right. So even the tax collectors are like, what should we do? And this is fascinating because no one is, no one is asking John about money, material things, or possessions. No one's asking him questions about these things. In fact, they're asking him questions. How do we bear the fruit of a transformed life? And John keeps talking about these really material things. If you want to bear the fruit of a life that's been transformed by God, it matters what you do with what you have. Teacher, they asked, what do we do? And John says to them, don't collect any more than you're required to. That's what you should do. Don't collect any more than you're required to. Which I'm sure the tax collector's immediate response was, but that's what I do. That's what we do. If we, only re- if we only collect what we're required to collect, then there's nothing for me to live on. If that's, l- listen, you don't understand, John, you don't understand. I-, I have a home. I have a family. I have servants. I maybe have many homes, depending on how good I am at gathering taxes. 
You don't understand. If I stop collecting more than what I'm required to, all that goes away. That's what we do, is collect more than what's required of us. And John, with simplicity, seems to be saying, you want to be ready for what God's about to do, then you should do what's just and not what you can justify. I understand that you can justify living like this. I understand the excuses. If I didn't, then all this would go away. If you want to see what God's about to do, then you do what's just and not what you can justify, and you be generous. Then some soldiers, they ask him, and they're like, and what should, and what should we do to bear the fruit of a transformed life? What should we do? Don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. What does this have to do? John, hey, you guys want to be ready? You want to see what God's about to do? Hey, in this season of Advent where we're all anticipating what is God going to do? You want to see what God's about to do? You want to make room for him? Be generous and just. Be generous with what you've got and do what's just and not what you can justify. I know that you can justify what you're doing. I know that you can justify the way you're behaving. You've done it for a really long time. You're really good at it. You have really sophisticated, twisted arguments to justify the way you live and the things you do. Certainly this passage isn't for us, right? Certainly John's not talking to us. Certainly we're not expected to live on a shirt. Certainly God understands. I don't know. I just think it's amazing that the forerunner of Jesus, when asked, when asked by people what they should do to be ready to see God move, he didn't say anything terribly religious. He said, be generous. Oh, yeah, 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 and then what? And then what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, 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 I, I got it. And then, then what, what do we do with the money? The Son of God opened his hands, and he let go of what he had. This is what we celebrate when we celebrate this season. We celebrate the Son of God opening his hands and letting go of the riches of heaven, becoming poor so that we may become rich. We celebrate the generosity of God, and we celebrate the justice of God when we celebrate the Christmas season. Church, you want to be ready? You want to see God move? Then buy my three-cassette teaching in the foyer. It's called dunamis. You want to be ready for what God's about to do. You want to actually see it. You want to participate in it. Open your hands with what you've got, just like Jesus opened his hands with what he had. Jesus, when he opened his hands with the riches of heaven, emptied himself 
And through this act of emptying himself, he saved people from every tribe and nation. You could literally open your hands with what you have and participate with God who is saving people from every tribe and nation. That's what could happen if you opened your hands. It's terribly religious. It has everything to do with putting the brilliance of Jesus on display. I'm going to pray. Then Mike's going to come and steer us. Lord, we want to see your power flow through our generosity. We want to see your power flow. Pray that you'd get the attention of our city by making us a generous church who loves justice. Pray that you'd teach us about how generosity and justice go together. Teach us about mercy and justice. We don't want to just prepare you room. We don't want to just make space for space's sake. We, we want to see you move in our hearts, in our families, in our city. We need you to come. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Amen. If you're wondering what it means that Mike's going to steer us, um, it means that we're going to respond. This this message is just begging for a response, right? It's just way too simple, way too straightforward. Uh, you can't dodge that bullet. With we we got to respond as a church, and and we're going to do that simply by coming to the table. We're gonna we're gonna share communion together. The reason we're going to do that is because the cross. Um, is the clearest picture that we have of the justice and the mercy of God coming together. Typically, those things are polar opposites, right? Justice and mercy, but we see them come together beautifully in the cross. Jesus came to us, right? We celebrate that during this season. And he came, he lived a perfect life, but was condemned a criminal, criminal and was nailed to a, a Roman cross. Um, those, those crosses were, were symbols of judgment, they, it was capital punishment. They, they certainly weren't symbols of mercy, yet as Christians, we celebrate the cross. We got one at the front of our churches. Some of us wear them around our necks. We celebrate the cross. Why do we celebrate the cross? We don't, I mean, just typically, Christians, we don't associate uh, judgment with the cross. We see the cross as our, our escape from judgment, Right? We, get our, we see the cross as our, our, a free pass, so to speak. But the cross was not a free pass. The cross was not just mercy. The cross was, judge, was justice and mercy. Justice means, you know, making things right. Our God is just. And we see that in the cross. Jesus became the embodiment of my sin, your sin. And he paid the penalty for that sin. The penalty of that sin is death, Right? That's what sin costs, death. 
So Jesus paid the penalty for your, your sin and my sin, and then God is proven just. God does what is right. He, I think sometimes we think that we, get, we, kinda, like, we got around the court system, right? We got around God's court system, got a free pass, like, whew, I got mercy. That's not the case. It's not that we deserved uh, a speeding ticket and God let us off with a warning. That would be unjust. God is just. The penalty for sin was paid at the cross. God's wrath was satisfied. But the cross is not just justice, right? It's not just making things right. The cross is mercy. The cross is mercy. It's generous kindness from God to us. We stood in the righteous courtroom of God. All the evidence was stacked up against us. No witnesses were coming to the stand to speak up for us, to prove us innocent. And we were, the, the sentence was pronounced guilty. All of us, guilty. And the mercy of God is that the spotless lamb of God, Jesus, Messiah, stood up and said, I'll pay for it. Mercy isn't that there was no sentence, right? The sentence was spoken guilty. Mercy is that Jesus stood up and said, I'll pay for it. I'll take the punishment. You give them mercy. I'll take her sin. Give her my righteousness. That's the mercy of God. Generous kindness to us on behalf of Jesus. We now stand here before God as the righteousness of Christ. Not people that have skipped the court system and got out with a warning. That wouldn't be satisfying. Justice and mercy in the cross. And we celebrate that in communion. We celebrate that um, as a community of people around the cross, right? It's what connect. There's not many things today that look like what the church looked like 2,000 years ago. Not, not much of what we do this morning looks like what believers did back then. A lot has changed. But this meal, this meal hasn't changed. People have been doing this for hundreds of years, thousands of years together. It connects us with, with our, our brothers and sisters from the past. It's amazing. We celebrate the, the, the mercy and justice of God at the cross. So to respond today to the mercy and kindness of God, we're going to share this meal, a simple meal that reminds us of God's justice, God's mercy, but today, communion's not an individual sport. It's a team sport today. Typically, right, if we have communion, you'll see a, a table up here with a loaf, a lonely loaf sitting on a table with a, a cup, and you'll come up by yourself or maybe with your family, and you'll rip off some bread and wonder if I took enough or maybe I took too much or do I pick up the cup? Do I just, what do I, you know, typically that's how we do that. That's far too individualistic for today's message. Right, hearing this 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 message from John the Baptist that we're to share what we have with others, that we're to be horizontally right if we're you know in, indeed right with God. So we're going to do this as a community, as a family. Uh, this uh, communion that we share today, people we're going to gather around the table as a people of the cross. I, I love what Paul wrote in Corinthians about this meal. He said that the that Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. He's sharing. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time that we share this meal, we proclaim the the justice and mercy of God on the cross by simply eating the bread and taking the cup. It's incredible. It's an incredible response. And we're going to do it in a way that reflects this, this sharing, this giving of what we have with others as a family. So I've asked people in the church to clear out their cupboards. That's why you don't see a, a table at the front. I've asked people to clear out their cupboards and bring the elements to share what is theirs with the family, which might initially sound strange to you because you might get a tortilla or uh, <laughs> last night's dinner roll. I don't know, but it's a beautiful thing when we bring what we have, share with others, and, and gather around uh, the table as a, as a community. So in a moment, that's, we're going we're gonna to group up into, we're going to huddle up into groups, 10, 15, 20 people. It doesn't entirely matter. Don't move around. You've picked your group by where you sat in the church, so just kind of face each other. And we're going to huddle up, and every group will have somebody who brought, cleaned out their cupboard, bought, brought the bread. Maybe it's a loaf of wheat bread or um, a French loaf or some pita bread. I'm not quite sure. The real wild card is the juice. Um, that's really... It's, nobody broke out like the Zinfandel last, last service, so we'll see. So we're going to share what we have with each other. So you're going to get together, you're going to stand um, introduce yourself to one another. And then if, if I brought the bread, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm going to look to the person to the, my right and say, Rachel, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And she, Rachel's going to take the, the bread and eat it, and then she's going to take the tortilla or the pita bread or the fill-in-the-blank. And now that's her bread to share, right? So she's going to look to the person to her right and say, Jared, this is the body of Christ broken for you. You're going to say their name, which requires you to do what? Introduce yourself if you don't know them. So that's good. That's the first step of being family. And then once the bread's going, you can get the cup going, right? Pour the juice in the same way. Look at the person next to you and say, this is, uh, this is the, the blood of Christ shed for you, Rachel. You don't have to all watch each other take it. Once the bread's going, you can get the cup going so that you're not, everybody's like not on stage, like this is the cup for Bob, Bobby, Bob, yeah, so you don't have to watch each other, and, and please fight, it's only awkward if we make it awkward, you don't have to put on some religious face right now and pretend like you know the game, this is a meal that we share as a community of the cross, okay, and now if you're here for the first time, <laughs> welcome, we don't typically, you know, you're, if you're sitting next to the lady with the half, like the half loaf of wheat bread, you're like, what is this church? She, is that a snack in case we get hungry? Um, this is why we're doing this. If you're new to Jesus, if you're just investigating this thing, please, please do not feel obligated to eat this bread and drink this cup. This is for, for, for those of us who believe in the presence of the Lord in this meal. Okay, so I, I know... You might, out of obligation, just take the bread and, and go for it. Please don't do that. It, that. You don't have to do that. You're welcome as we stand up to slip out if you'd like. Or you can stay in the group and help pass the, the bread in the cup without partaking. That's fine. You can do that. Um, but just don't, please don't feel pressured. That's, that's not what we're about. And we will not judge you if you do not eat the bread or drink the cup. Do you understand? 
So we're going to do this as a family. We locked the doors. <laughs> Nobody can leave. Everybody's wondering, man, did I pick a good section? Did I get some good bread? Um, so we're going to do this in a second. We're going to group up. You're going to get the bread going, the cup going, then pray for each other, okay? Have a couple people pray out. If somebody has needs in your group, if you have a need in your group, share it and get prayer for that right there. And then after you do that, you're excused. You're, you're free to go. And if you have extra bread, if you didn't get through all the bread, well, I'd find somebody who needs some bread, right? There's plenty of people around here that, that could use some bread at this time. So maybe go out and hand out some bread. Sound good? Okay, so group up. And those of you that brought elements, that cleared out your cupboards, make sure you spread out and everybody find a group. All right, not everybody all at once now. Stand up, get to know each other. Does everybody have a home? Anybody looking for a home? You can take that. We need, we need a home back here. There's a group that needs some bread and some cups and some juice in the back by the soundboard. Somebody go that way. Is there any groups that don't have bread? Can you turn that down? Can you turn down the music? Turn down the music. Turn down the music. Thank you. Does anybody not have bread? In the back, we need bread. Danny's got a loaf. I'm just curious. Did anybody get a tortilla? I really was hoping for a tortilla. Dang it. You did? All right. Tortillas. Does everybody have juice? Anybody need juice? Everybody got cups? Cups in the back? Do we got the cup person? Any groups have cups to share? Look at this. We're being family. Perfect. All right. Um, Daniel's going to put up the words on the screen so you don't have to remember uh, what you're saying. Go ahead and get the bread going. To the, talk to the people next to you. Tell them this is the, the body of Christ broken for them, and then this is the blood of Christ shed for them, and then pray for one another. Go for it.
Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time. And the smell of the grinding sea And all